You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of History of the Second World War. Season 1 was all about laying the groundwork and spending some time on events usually only briefly mentioned when discussing the Second World War. This season is about moving the ball forward. It will start with the Anschluss. The takeover of Austria by Germany would be an important moment, not just for German and Austrian history, but also for the entire landscape of European politics during the 1930s. It would be the first time that Hitler's Germany would attempt to expand beyond its borders. It would invade a nation and people divided and conflicted, with some Austrians supporting a union with Germany, while others did not. The pan-German movement had a long history in both nations, but there was still a large number of Austrians that felt that good relations with their larger neighbor was critical, but it should always be within the framework of independence. As German troops moved in, there would be massive confusion and an overall lack of decisive leadership from the Austrian government, which would seal the fate of Austria as an independent nation. In the other capitals of Europe, it was impossible to gather any real support for going to war over Austria, especially when Austria itself was either not able or that it was unwilling to mount its own defense. This meant that Hitler's first territorial expansion campaign went over not just smoothly, but without any real consequences, causing his confidence in his own judgment to soar, even when going against the advice of those around him. Our second topic of the season will be a series of episodes on France during the 1930s. Why France? Well, they would be a very important driver of events during the run-up to the war. In some ways, they were a passenger, being pulled and pushed around by the British, but they were still an important and independent actor in the wild world of European politics. They will be discussed during Season 2 because their political and military readiness would be a critical driver of events during the late 1930s. If anybody was going to stand up to whatever Germany was doing in any particular year, it had to be the French, or a nation supported by France, that was doing it. Most of our coverage will be of the years between 1935 and 1939, as we look at the political landscape in France and the victories of the Popular Front, which would unravel in the late 1930s. It would be a very divisive time in French politics, although I guess French politics are always pretty divisive during the 20th century. But along with the political aspect of events, we will also be diving into the evolution of the French military during this period. The French, perhaps more than any other major power involved with the Second World War, has been, and often still is, heavily criticized for their failures on the battlefield in 1940. 
Is this criticism earned? In some ways, absolutely. For example, the French theories on air power were hopelessly archaic by 1940. But in other ways, the criticisms are, in my opinion, just as much due to the French guessing wrong as to what a future war would look like, which along with some of their political and economic imperatives would put the French military in a situation where they were simply incapable of meeting the demands of the battlefield in 1940. This unpreparedness would not just affect their performance during the invasion of France, but it would also alter the course of events during the 1930s, as there were certain beliefs about what the French military could and could not do, which would cause important decisions to be made at critical moments. One of those important moments was the Munich Crisis. The Munich Crisis occupies a special place in interwar history. It is seen as the zenith of the appeasement movement, a heavily discredited line of thinking, if only because the goals of appeasement to prevent war would be a failure. Because of the position of appeasement in the Munich saga, we will discuss some of its roots and causes, and try to answer the evergreen topic of whether or not it not just failed to stop the war, but perhaps even contributed to its outbreak just a few years later. The sacrifice made in the name of appeasement, the nation of Czechoslovakia, would have little say in the events that would leave it dismembered. Instead, decisions would be made by the British, French, Germans, and Italians. It would be a sad story for the relatively young nation that had been created in the aftermath of the First World War. Edward Benet and the Czech government were presented with two choices, to consent to the destruction of the nation, or to fight a war that they were destined to lose without the support of those that they believed to be their allies. They would, in many ways, be betrayed, not just by their enemies, but by their friends. With the mostly bloodless victory in Czechoslovakia, once again the Germans and Hitler would be able to execute an expansion of territory, and once again Hitler's faith in his ability to bully the British and French would continue to grow. After Munich, one of the most well-documented and well-structured narratives of the 1930s, we will move on to the amorphous and nebulous series of episodes on a whole host of military topics that I do not have clearly defined at the moment. The goal of these episodes will be to take a sort of a whirlwind tour and discuss the evolution of military technology and thinking in the years between 1918 and 1939. Aviation, naval, uh, naval aviation, armored, motorized, and mechanized, strategic and tactical air operations. All are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the topics to be discussed. I will, however, just say that these episodes are very much in flux right now. And if you have any questions you want answered uh, about the interwar, military, or the militaries that started the war in 1939, hit me up on email or Discord. What I can state is that there will be discussions on a wide range of topics with the goal of trying to determine what the military leaders around the world thought a war in the late 1930s would look like and why. We will then look at one of the battles that would put some of those theories to the test with the fighting between the Russians and Japanese in Mongolia in 1939. The fighting would occur in the vicinity of the village of Nomanhan, near the modern-day border of Mongolia and China. This was disputed territory in 1939, with the Japanese believing it was part of Manchuria, while the Russians believed it was part of Mongolia, and fighting would ensue. The outcome was a resounding defeat of the Japanese army. It was a borderline disaster, and a harsh reality check for a Japanese army that believed itself to be qualitatively superior to its northern neighbor. On the Soviet side, it would be seen as an important chance for a bit of learning, and it would be the place where we will meet the future marshal and four-time hero of the Soviet Union, Grigory Zhukov, for the first time. 
but almost certainly not the last. Season 2 will then end with a small event in Europe that you may have heard of, the start of the Second World War. We'll have a whole series of episodes on the sort of path to war during the early and mid-1939, and then we will cover the invasion of Poland. Yes, the Panzers will finally roll, and in many places, they will be absolutely savaged. We will dive deep into the entire story of the invasion of Poland, or Case White, or Fall Weiss, depending on how you want to name it. It is a campaign that is well known in terms of its outcome, an outcome that was honestly never seriously in doubt, but perhaps less is known of its details. So many accounts of the fighting in Poland over the 80-plus years since it happened have been tainted in many ways by German propaganda from the war years, from the Polish army being easily defeated to the Polish cavalry charging tanks with sabers, both of which are complete misinterpretations and often purposeful misrepresentations of events. We will of course try to answer not just what really happened, but why some of these myths are so pervasive. Along with all of this content, interviews will be making their, hopefully, triumphant return, although in a far less concentrated form. Instead of an interview or more a week, you can instead expect maybe one or two a month, at least for the foreseeable future. They will also be on a wide variety of topics. I can tell you at this moment that I've recorded two interviews, one on the experiences of veterans around the world after the two world wars, and another on fascism in France during the 1920s and 30s. I'm hoping to arrange several interviews on various interwar military topics also to to try and provide some depth and texture to those discussions. There will also be a slight change in the interview format, and instead of just immediately jumping into the interview, you can expect a 10 to 15 minute kind of mini episode before the interview, both to provide context and to fill in around the topics being discussed within the interview itself. I hope this will answer some of the feedback that I got on the earlier interviews where perhaps I did not give enough background on the topics. Finally, as always, this podcast is made possible in part by the support of listeners just like you over on Patreon, where you can get access to ad-free episodes as well as patron-only content. Along with Patreon, this content is also now available through the Apple Podcast subscription feature. To be clear, the content available through both platforms is, and forever will be, identical. But if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, that content is a single button tap away, something like 23 or 4 premium episodes, and then of course, a whole back catalog of ad-free versions of everything you've listened to. I know that in the past, some of you have raised concerns about having to sign up for yet another service to to support the podcast, and now those listening on Apple Podcasts will not have to do so. I will be keeping an eye out for the introduction of other services in the future where I can make this available as well. As always, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or concerns about anything I've said today or anything I ever say on the podcast, you can email me at historyofthesecondworldwaroutlook.com or hit me up on Twitter at WorldWar2Pod. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoy Season 2 of the podcast, which will start here in just a few days.